0: So we're still talking about work. Uh, and again, my intention is to get us as followers of Jesus to see the totality of our lives as being surrendered to him and every part of our life, especially our work, how it matters in God's big story. Uh, and if and if you've not surrendered your life to Jesus, if if you're not sure about this, whole Jesus thing, stick with me today, uh, and I'd love to to connect you with Jesus, or at least show you some things that that I think it's worth surrendering your life to Jesus. Um, But we're talking about work, and I've spent the last number of weeks trying to lay the groundwork of the big story, and it's important to see this big story in order to see our part in the story. Because if humans don't have a story, all we have is our impulses, our distractions, our emotions, our reactions to the world. Um, but we can live beyond those things and see how each day in our life matters in the big story. So just a little bit by, by way of review, um, work and our labor is not a byproduct of the fall. Um, Work existed before the fall. It's part of what makes us human. It's part of what makes us made in the image of God. God was the first worker in scripture, and he commissioned us as his image-bearing creatures to work as well. His design for work is to go into the wild and waste and bring order and beauty, and that process he calls good. That's our work, is to go into the wild waste and bring order and beauty. And again, that might still just sound as just a principle, but today we're going to drill that down on on what that looks like in our day-to-day lives. And then also God's ultimate vision for work is not just for survival, as if the the fullness of our work is just to make an income of some kind and provide for ourselves. His vision for work is not just for survival, but also for sharing— that it's for bigger than ourselves, just like God created the world not for himself, but for us, so our work is for more than ourselves. Yes, it's for self, but it also is for more, for sharing. And then work is where humans have to exercise moral judgment. We have to decide what is good and not good, and how we work, how we have that discernment is very important. Do we trust God's definition of good and bad, or do we do it ourselves? Do we define good and bad for ourselves? Mankind chose defining it for ourselves, and that brought in sin and the age of sin and death. It brought brokenness uh, and corruption in our world. And so our work environment was affected by that. Our work environment is made more difficult by sin by other people's sin and by our own sin, by sin of, of what's happening in culture or society and at an individual level, our personal sin. Our definition of good and bad might not line up with God's definition of good and bad and other people and their work. And so that makes the environment of work more difficult but there is, there is hope in the midst of this, that Jesus came and defeated sin and death, and now we can cling to him. Now we can surrender our life to him, and though there is labor in this world, our work is not in vain. That's where we ended last week, and we saw how the end is resurrection and new creation, and we get to participate in in that we get a part of that verse 57 of 1st Corinthians 15 is thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ but then he didn't end there just with that victory he brought that future victory into the present and in verse 58 of 1 Corinthians 15 he says therefore my beloved brothers be steadfast and immovable meaning we have to pay attention to this, we have to be committed to this, we have to put our patience and our endurance into this, be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that our labor is not in vain. Our work in the Lord and our work for the Lord, all of that labor is not in vain, meaning what we work for the Lord in the present also makes it into the future and that might seem strange or i don't know confusing and that it might be but that's what it says and that's what this whole thing is about and that somehow our day-to-day lives makes a difference in the future our work in the present has implication for the future and so here's though the question paul says our work in the Lord is not in vain. In the Lord, our labor is not in vain. Be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. So what does that mean? What does it mean to work for the Lord or our work in the Lord is not in vain? That's what we wanna drill down on and that's where Colossians three comes in. I'm going to read two verses from Colossians 3. Uh, sometime later this year, uh, I'm doing a series on Colossians, and we'll revisit this, um, but because I'm going through the whole book, we might not be able to pay uh, extreme attention to just these two verses in their context, so I'm going to kind of just zoom in just on these two and give us a little more clarity on what Paul's addressing here to the church in Colossae. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 and 24, two verses. Whatever you do, Work heartily or with your whole heart as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. And then in Colossians, he just kind of moves on, doesn't explain himself. Well, what's going on here? So asking it as a question, if you are a Christian a disciple of the Lord Jesus, who do you work for? Who is it that you work for? Now, that's a softball question because that is a very typical Christian answer. Uh, If you're in church, it's best, if you're going to have people answer questions, uh, it's best that the answer is always Jesus. (laughs) I was a youth pastor for almost 10 years, and it was always best when you ask a question that the answer is Jesus. And it just so happens that that's the answer to this question. Who do you work for? Jesus. It doesn't matter what industry you're a part of, a particular company you work at, who your boss is. We may work under a boss, we may work under a board or may work in an economy, but who do we work for? We work for the Lord Jesus. Yes, a boss may be the person who is employing us, but our allegiance is to Jesus first. Now, that sounds great, but do we actually believe that? I don't know. I don't think so. Most of us don't get up and go to work and think, my manager is Jesus. My boss is Jesus today my allegiance is to Jesus first. Most of us go to work and just do what's necessary um, at work. There's a a lot of reasons and personal motivations why we work. I'll start getting into those things next week uh, as we get more and more practical in our day-to-day life. But this is what Paul is trying to communicate to us, that no matter what company you work for, no matter what industry it is, no matter what the economy's like or what your particular position in the company is, your boss, who you work for, who is your oversight at your work is the Lord Jesus Christ. And then what kind of work qualifies as working for Jesus? Whatever you do, as long as it's not sin, whatever you do, At work, that's working for Jesus. Whatever that is, you are working for the Lord Jesus. Um, Whatever your capacity is or position is at your work, you are working for the Lord Jesus. You do it as unto the Lord. You do it as worship, and your work is submitted to your leader. Your allegiance is to Jesus. So then whatever that job is, you can consider it as working for the Lord. There is no such thing as certain work glorifying Jesus or being more pleasing to him than any other. Uh, in working for the for the Lord Jesus, there is no difference in what that work is. As long as it's not sin. So the thing is, is I don't think we believe that. Because if I if I brought in, you know, studio like this and I started interviewing people and I brought in Uh, a pastor, um, or an Uber driver, or a barista, or a cashier, or an accountant, or a general contractor in construction, or, uh, I don't know, an executive uh, at a bank, um, or, uh, I mean, any one of those, or a missionary, or a traveling evangelist, and I, I put all of them in here, and I said, which one is doing the work of the Lord? I would guess most of us would look at that and say, well, the pastor, the missionary, the evangelist, they're doing the Lord's work. And you may qualify that with, well, well you know, is the Uber driver leading a life group? Well, that's the work of the Lord. Or uh, is the barista uh, doing missions work uh, in their city or working for a nonprofit? Well, then that's doing the Lord's work. And yet, that's not biblical. According to this, according to what Paul's saying, is that both real estate agents and pastors are both glorifying the Lord Jesus in their work. They're both working for the Lord. As a matter of fact, a pastor could be working for selfish motives and not for Jesus but a barista is making coffee for the Lord Jesus, and the barista is working for the Lord more and glorifying the Lord more than the pastor. That's according to what this is saying. If, if you are working for the Lord Jesus, whatever your job is, is pleasing to the Lord. A pastor's work, a missionary's work, a nonprofit's work, is no more glorifying Jesus than what you do on a daily basis. I don't know how to explain it anymore. Um, But do we actually believe that? Do you believe that when you go to work, whatever that is, you might be running a bulldozer or you might be running x-ray machines, whatever that is, you're working for the Lord and that work is glorifying Him. Now, if you are, serving the Lord Jesus and working for him, then that's who you're working for, then what are you working for? Again, you're working for Jesus, and whatever that is, it can glorify the Lord Jesus and is not better or worse than any other work, as long as it's for Jesus. But what are you working for? Because you might be working for a paycheck. And yes, you need, you need a paycheck for the work you do. Um that's uh, next week, I'll talk about uh, how what's the criteria of our work and how do we know we're doing biblical work? And the first one is, does it provide? And so yes, your work needs to provide for your physical and tangible needs of you and the people in your care. Um, but is that all? Are you only working for a paycheck? Is the whole purpose of your work just simply for monetary exchange? What Paul says here, is that you are working for Jesus and that in Jesus, what you receive is more than a paycheck. You receive, he uses the word, inheritance as your reward. That you receive the inheritance as your reward. Inheritance is a word Paul uses that pulls the storyline of the Bible, the storyline of Israel all together. And it's used, uh, in two forms, and I'll, I'll, I'll focus on one of them. Um, God's promise to Abraham um, was, at the end, will be uh, the land of Canaan. God promised Abraham the land, the, the, the promised land, uh, to, to Abraham. Um, this promised land was the hope of Israel. They were delivered out of Egypt and being out of Egypt, they wanted to go into their inheritance, which was the promised land. And what that meant is that it was the land that they were called to inhabit and be free to work and worship the Lord Jesus um, or the, their, their God, Yahweh. So they're, they're going into this land so that in the freedom of having their own land, they could work, they could worship, they could be free to glorify God. And that land was their inheritance. And Paul borrows this idea of Israel and the promised land and relates it to Christians and all of new creation. Now there is a second way inheritance is used and I can't fully explain it now, but inheritance is also used is that the people of God are God's inheritance. Uh, and both of those, new creation and the people of God, work together, but I can't fully explain that, but I did want you to know that there are there's more than one way of understanding Paul's word for inheritance. Here specifically, I think he's speaking about inheritance and new creation, that just what I explained last week, how in the end, there will be new creation and new heaven and new earth, and it's not God scrapping the first heaven and first earth, wadding it up and throwing it in the trash, It is a fundamental transformation of the first heaven and the first earth in new heavens, just like there's a fundamental transformation of our bodies into resurrected bodies. Now, that's at the end. There's lots of debate and lots of disagreement on what happens between now and the end. And honestly, I have my perspective, I have my interpretation about this uh, and what 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 certain theologians say that i agree with but we can still disagree about what happens between now and the end and be brothers and sisters in christ okay because it causes a lot of fights that i just don't think are necessary but whatever happens between now and the end let's not let that disagreement cause division because man do people have strong opinions and there's people with very strong opinions very dogmatic opinions about when that end is gonna be. And truthfully, no one knows, but it will be the end. Whenever that end is, it's the end. And you say, well, are we in the last days? Here's the deal. The apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost said, Joel prophesied that in the last days, God will pour out a spirit upon all flesh. And here it is, these are those days. So if Peter was in the last days, as he said, these are the last days. We are in the latest of the last days. (laughs) Is it the very end? I have no idea. Part of me thinks, I kind of hope it is. But part of me is like, you know what? We have to prepare for another few thousand years because we really don't know. But whenever the end is, it'll be the end. And what is the end? New heavens and new earth. It is new creation. And our resurrection is included in that. And Paul uses the idea of Israel going into the promised land as us receiving new creation. Paul also, as a new creation theologian, says that we have a taste of that by being a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5.17, that we who are in Christ are new creations. We are like like an early release of that inevitable future. And Paul says, that future of new creation, the new heavens and the new earth, that is the inheritance of all of those who are in Christ. So when he says, I'll just read it again, Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Whatever you do, so whether you're, you know, a subcontractor or... You're a real estate agent, a barista, a pastor, an Uber driver. Whatever you do, put your heart and soul into it. Work heartily. Yeah, but I don't like my job. Yeah, but I don't see—we'll get to that next Uh, week—that I get. Your job might not be fun. There is no promise of God that says, I promise you your work will be fun. You're not going to find that promise in the New Testament or the Old Testament— Um, You'll get a promise that your joy can be full no matter what situation you're in. But he says, whatever you do, work heartily. Put your heart and soul into it as for the Lord, because Jesus is your boss, and not for men, knowing that it is from the Lord, the Lord Jesus, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. There's a reward for how you work and live in Christ and work for Him in this moment, today, this week. What you're working on has a future reward. So don't just try to take a vacation. Even if you're retired and you're not being paid for for whatever you're doing, there is still work you can do for the Lord because you're not just receiving um, benefits or payment or paycheck Uh, or anything like that, you're receiving a reward, and you are to know that it is from Jesus that you receive that reward, that that is an inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus. So this idea that our work in the present makes it into the future inheritance— and that that future inheritance is our reward for those who work for Jesus. Let me clarify, because I, I need to make sure I'm being clear. Going into new creation is simply by grace through faith in Jesus. You don't earn your way into resurrection and new creation, but there is reward in new creation that we receive as an inheritance that we work in and for jesus now and we reap the benefit of that reward in new creation meaning your day job right here i keep using barista i must be thirsty for coffee if you're a barista you making coffee for jesus has an implication in resurrection and new creation now you can make coffee like everybody else and be nice and pleasant, but you're not working for Jesus, you're just working to make coffee and make a paycheck. And that's fine, that's how everybody else works. Or, as disciples of the Lord Jesus, you can make coffee knowing you're for Jesus, you're working for Jesus, and knowing that that work actually can make it in new creation. I don't have all the details about all that, but that is what it's saying. I don't know exactly how, Paul doesn't clarify, and he just kinda moves on. And so we have to see, connect that with 1 Corinthians 15, 58, as he just said, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, hey, be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. Well, what does it mean to work for the Lord? Whatever you do, put your heart and soul into it because you work for Jesus. And because you work for Jesus, you are to know that you will receive the inheritance as your reward. Just like the land was the inheritance of Israel, so new creation is our inheritance. And we work toward that future in the present. So we work for Jesus, but for the inheritance as well. That we are receiving more than a paycheck, we're receiving inheritance in the future. And going back to Revelation 21, I started here last week. Uh, Let's read this again with this in mind, that we receive the reward as our inheritance. We receive the inheritance as our reward. Revelation 21, verse one, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Passed away does not mean that God wadded it up and threw it in the trash. There was a fundamental transformation Uh, and including our bodies being transformed, 1 Corinthians 15. And the sea was no more, and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven. The goal was not for us to go up, it was for heaven to come down. Prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Everything that sin and evil has touched, causing death and corruption, death shall be no more. It's over. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things, the things that belong to the age of sin and death, those things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne, that's Jesus, the one we work for, and the one who gives us the reward, uh, the inheritance as our reward, he says, behold, I am making all things new. In this picture, we see the end mirroring the beginning, just like in Genesis 1 and 2, we see where heaven and earth had overlapped and, uh, and been in unison and connected. So now at the end, we see once again how heaven comes down into earth and overwhelms earth, transforming it. And he, the one on the throne, says he is making all things new. Think of the word order that John uses. He does not say making all new things. He's making all things new. Just like people who see junk on the side of the road, but in that junk, they see, they can repurpose it, refinish it, refashion it into something useful and and beautiful, I can't see it, I see a pile of junk. But man, there are some people with a creative mind who can, like my daughter is one of those, she sees a cardboard box and I wanna throw it in the trash, but she wants to make something elaborate uh, and useful, and I just don't get it. But she looks at that junk and sees in her mind something useful and beautiful and is able to transform it. Just like that, God sees what might look like the junk of this world, and he sees in it the potential for transformed new creation. He says, I am making all things new, not all new things. God's not scrapping all of this and throwing it in the trash, which means our labor now is anticipating God making all things new. That's us going into the wild waste and bringing order and beauty. It's the same process that is the future of Jesus making all things new. If you go to the end of that chapter, Revelation 21, it says this, And I, this is John, the revelator, I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk. And look at this, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day and there will be no night there they all the kings of the earth all the humans all the 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 new human the new humanity in Christ Jesus into it this city that has no temple because God is the God is the temple that, that Jesus is that temple and we are that temple city garden it says they will bring the glory and the honor of the nations what is that? What is the glory and the honor of the nations? It's the things we do that bring honor and glory to Jesus. It's the working for the Lord, what we do for the Lord, that honors and worships him, bringing that honor and glory into the city as worship and honor. The the image is like um, honestly, John is borrowing an image from 1 Kings chapter, I think it's 10, where the queen of Sheba comes to King Solomon and, and wants to impress him and brings all these like animals and gold and silver and, and in a sense bringing gifts as kind of an honor for King Solomon. And John uses that picture and paints it where all the things we're doing in our life, we bring as honor and glory and as worship to Jesus, We're bringing that into the city. It is not us on eternal vacation playing harps on clouds. It's us working, doing what? Going into the wild waste and bringing order and beauty and bringing that order and beauty and goodness as worship to Jesus. This is how it ends. New creation work that we anticipate now that is our future is to live and work for the honor and glory of the lord jesus christ whether that's preaching sermons or making coffee or driving uh, as an uber driver or selling real estate or doing spreadsheets as an accountant whatever that is we're working for the honor and glory of the lord jesus christ we anticipate the future by living it in the present, taking our everyday lives, our work, our our family life, our work life, and we see these things as ways to glorify Jesus because he was the one who died for us and took our sin and shame and has redeemed us. And so now our whole lives become worship for him. We are to anticipate the healed and redeemed world by uh, taking our labor that I have done in the Lord right now in this life, recognizing that it will last. It will be the same kind of work and labor will do in new creation. When we work in the Lord by, as disciples of the Lord Jesus, we are living and working in the in-between of heaven and earth, We're living and working in the in-between of heaven and earth, that space where it connects heaven and earth, where God's kingdom and the redemptive work of Jesus is taking over the fullness of our life. As a redeemed, transformed disciple of the Lord Jesus, my work, my day job, anticipates and works towards new creation, and this work will last in jesus it will last in god's new world and so that's why i am to be steadfast and immovable always abounding in the work of the lord knowing that my labor in the lord is not in vain and that's what i want us to get that as disciples of the lord jesus everything in our lives matter and it doesn't just matter like god's going to wad it up in the trash and throw it away and we just make it but even our work matters And so my prayer in the series, and next time I'll drill down even more detailed uh, on our day-to-day lives, but we have to see what you do for a job, what you do for an income, it is working for Jesus. And in that work, you're working to receive the inheritance as a reward from the Lord Jesus Christ. Our present life implicates the future. It anticipates the future because we see that future, we wanna live it in the present. And as a disciple of the Lord Jesus, that's what I'm called to in surrendering my life to him. And if you wanna surrender your life to Jesus and you want every day to matter in God's big story, that's our invitation for you today. My prayer is that you say yes to Jesus in following him. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for what you're doing and what you've done for us in Christ Jesus, that we can be redeemed and forgiven, not because we've earned anything or deserve anything, but because we simply look to Jesus and trust in him. And so in surrendering our life to Jesus, may we, by the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace of Jesus, live every single day moving your agenda forward, your kingdom coming and your will being done in us and through us, as it is in heaven. And may we, as your disciples, glorify you, Jesus, and lift you up and bring honor and glory to your name in all that we say and in all that we do. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.